Good morning, Trinity Church. How are you all this morning? Good? Yeah, man, speaking of back to school, keep me in your prayers, because <laughs> uh, if you all have been tracking the journey, I'm actually transitioning to teaching at LCS, Lansing Christian School, right around the corner. So I am so excited about that. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful school year. Um, so I'll be praying for our high schools all around, and I really do believe that Jesus is doing something amazing in high schools across the nation. And I believe that we're in store to see a revival and just a breath of life come into high schools where they will be on fire for Jesus. And I'm so excited for that. How many of you are excited for something like that to happen? Um, and I believe, it's, I believe it's coming soon. But I am also very, very excited to be with you all this morning because today I get the honor and the privilege. I mean, it's always an honor and a privilege to stand before you all and to preach from the word of God. But today is special because I just get to preach the gospel. <laughs> I just get to preach the good news of the, 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 what this whole thing is about. I just get to declare it today. That it points to the death, the, the life, the death, the, and the resurrection of the man, Christ Jesus, so that we all could have life in God. And so I just get to stand here today um, and be the herald of the gospel. Um, and last night as I was kind of like doing my rendition, my practice of like, you know, the message today, because, you know, preachers still have to do that, um, <laughs> uh, is that I only, got to, I only got through the first point because it's just that good. It's just that good at just talking about the empty tomb because it's good news for you and for me. But I'm going to try and work through John chapter 20 today. And we'll just see where the Lord takes us. But before we even dive into it, I just want to make a declaration that today is the day of salvation. And that Easter is not the only day that Christians celebrate the empty tomb. Is that every single day we ought to be celebrating the empty tomb because the miracle of Jesus' resurrection means life for us. That we were once dead in our sins, but by the grace and the mercy of God, he sought fit to breathe life into us by simply having faith in the resurrection in the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. And so I just get to declare that today. And so I'm so, so excited. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll just see where the Lord takes us. Um, I'll try not to keep you all too long, but it's just that good. It's just that good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Father, we just come before you saying thank you for your son. Lord, thank you that you uh, saw fit to be so merciful and so kind and so gracious to us, Lord, to send your son to take the punishment that we deserved on that cross. And Lord, that you uh, breathed the breath of life in us, Lord, by giving us faith to, be to believe in your son. So God, I'm asking in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, that you would touch our hearts this morning. For those of us who have believed, Lord, I'm asking that you would continue to give us a foundation of hope. But Lord, for those of us who may not believe, Lord, I'm asking that, we, that today that we would believe. That today is the day of salvation and that today people would cross over from death into life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, so just as an introduction and kind of more so of a definition of what the gospel is. 
Because if you've been around church, you know, for a good little bit, or maybe this is your first time here at a church, this is what all churches, hopefully, in across the nation and across the globe, center everything around, and it's called the gospel. And the gospel is simply the good news of life in God through the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the soon coming return of the man, Christ Jesus. And John chapter 20 is a passage that boldly declares God's vindication of his son through the empty tomb. And it is simple faith in Christ, simply believing that this actually took place, that he is who he said he is, is simple faith in Christ that saves us. And today we're picking up where Micah left off last week. If you were here last week or if you've been tracking through the series of the Gospel of John, you would know that the Gospel of John is a unique depiction of Jesus' life as the Son of God, as the one that God sent as the Lamb to take away the sin of the world. And last week, Micah talked about Jesus on the cross and him giving up his life. But today... We pick up, you know, if Jesus was crucified on a Friday and he was buried and, you know, buried on that day and he stayed in that tomb on a Saturday, we pick up at the beginning of the week on an early Sunday morning. And this is what it says. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to John chapter 20 and we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. And this is where we're picking up at. And this is what it says. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So we pick up the story of this this three-day journey that the disciples have been on where, you know, Jesus came and he was crucified on the cross and he was buried. And then on a Saturday, it was all hope was lost. But then on this early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, she's running to the tomb and she's going to check on, uh, she's going to check on Jesus and to see what's happened. But when she gets to the tomb, she sees that big stone rolled away and she looks in and she sees that Jesus is nowhere to be found. And then from that, she runs back to the disciples. She says, guys, you'll never believe what I saw. I saw the tomb that was rolled, that had a a, a stone rolled in front of its entrance. She said, the stone is rolled back and Jesus' body is gone. I don't know where he is. 
And then the disciples are like, oh, my goodness. And so they start running. And because, you know, John is the writer of this whole gospel, he says, I outran Peter. You know, because he's the, he's the disciple that Jesus loved. That's what he said. He's like, I outran Peter. I was a little bit faster than him. And I got to the tomb first. And I looked in. And I, I didn't go in, but I looked in. And I saw that there wasn't a body to be found. And then Peter comes in. And he bursts through the tomb. And he looks. And he sees the cloths that Jesus' body was wrapped in, all folded and dismantled. And, and so they, they look in the tomb and this is the point and this is the hinge of history that Jesus was a real man who lived a real life who died a real death and that means he had a real physical resurrection that Jesus had a real physical resurrection you know Jesus wasn't just a spirit who just popped up and said, hey, guys, I'm here. <laughs> and he, but he was, a, he was a real man. That he, uh, he, he was born of the Virgin Mary. That he had real flesh and bones. He had a real beating heart. He had, a real, he had real ears. He had a real nose. He had real flesh and bones. And he had a mind, will, and emotions. He was human like you and me, yet he was God in the flesh. He was a real man, but he, he was a man who lived a real life. You know, we see in the Gospel of Luke that early account of Jesus' childhood that, you know, he was kind of lost in the Walmart. He was lost in Jerusalem because, you know, Mary and Joseph, they, they were going back home, and they look around a day or two later, and they say, oh, we lost Jesus. <laughs> we lost the Son of God. We got to go back. And, he's, you know, he's, he's there in the temple but then he follows after his father's uh, career. He was a carpenter for a little bit. And then he began his ministry at the age of 30. And he would go around doing, anointed by the Spirit, doing all of these signs and wonders. And he had a real life. But because Jesus was a real man who lived a real life, like we heard about last week, he was whipped, beaten, bruised, crucified pierced through the side, and he died a real death. He was really buried in that tomb. But the gospel and the good news is that his bones are not still there. The good news is that death could not hold the Son of God. The good news is that there is an empty tomb. <laughs> the good news is that that the tomb, that stone was rolled away, and on the, er, on, on the uh, early, that third day, there's a <gasps> breath of life that came into Jesus, and his resurrection and his new life means new life for you and me. Is that we were once people on our way to eternal separation from God, but God saw fit to send his son to die on the cross for us. And now for those of us who were once dead in our sin, who were once separated from God, who did not know life in him, who did not know joy in him, by us simply believing and saying yes, all of our sin is washed away. All of the condemnation is washed away. That separation, that gap is closed. And we now cross over from death to life in God. Because Jesus lives, we also live. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. 
Because Jesus lives, we get new life here in this age. That we are born again. We, all of our sin, all of our shame, everything that we once did and that would defile us, that would be considered sinful, that would be, that would give us reason to be separated from God, that is now wiped away and the gap is closed and now we get to have fellowship and relationship with God. And so we get new life here in this age. But the good news is this as well, is that Jesus' resurrection and his, his life in God now doesn't just mean we get life in this age, but it also means we get life in the age to come. Because one of the truths of the scripture that is not proclaimed often is the resurrection of the dead. Is that just as Jesus had, he died and had a physical resurrection and he got a new glorified body, the truth that scripture proclaims is that just as Jesus died, was resurrected and got a new glorified body, so also do we. When we die, when the Son of Man rips that sky open and he comes back on the cloud in the same way he ascended, he will come back again. And when he speaks with the command and the voice of the archangel and the last trumpet sounds and is blasted, we also will rise again. Death is not the stopping point for us. It's just a comma. It's not a period, it's just a comma in which we get new life in the age to come. The ailments and the sicknesses that we have in our body won't always be there. The troubles that we have in this life, they will disappear. The every, all of the issues that we may be facing, whether physically, whether in this life right now, won't always be there, and that is the glory of the resurrection, is that we too, just as Jesus got a new glorified resurrected body, we also will get a new glorified resurrected body. And another reason why the resurrection is so key for us is the news that God can redeem any dead situation. Many of us may be in a situation right now where it may seem, you know, we're at a dead end or, you know, a relationship might have just crumbled or, you know, um, you know it, it, you, we just encounter those trials and those troubles in life. And, you know, the disciples, they thought that Jesus was the man who was going to redeem the kingdom of Israel. They said, they said now is, is, is now the time that you're going to redeem the kingdom of Israel. Is now the time that you are going to redeem the glory of this nation. And I think Jesus and the Father, they're probably thinking, you all's thoughts of redemption is so small. I know I'm not only coming to redeem the kingdom of Israel, I'm coming to redeem the world. <laughs> and in the same, but the way that I'm going to redeem the world is through my death. And in the same way that there had to be a death to see a resurrection and the redemption of the world, so also God can use dead situations in our life that we can see redeemed, that we can see a, a new life come back into it. And so I just, and, and the, the point of the resurrection, and this first point that I want to hit, hit, hit is that we have hope, is that we have hope. <laughs> 
That's what separates Christians from the rest of the world, is that we don't just go along our day with just saying, oh man, you know, I don't know what's coming tomorrow, and we may not know what comes tomorrow, but the thing is that no matter what happens tomorrow, we have something to cling to. That no matter what happens tomorrow, whether good or bad, we have hope because of the resurrection. Because of the empty tomb, we do not have to be defeated. That's the glory of the resurrection. And, that, and that's the first scene here in John chapter 20. But the glory of all of this is that Jesus was resurrected, yes, but he didn't just stay on the earth. But there's this theological term, and the term that he used here is that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And we'll pick, we'll pick up here in John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. And we'll read this part here, and this is what it says. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So Jesus here in this passage is talking about his ascension. And really what this means is that you know, Jesus didn't just, he walked the earth and he was preaching and teaching about the gospel of the kingdom and the good news. And, you know, he's resurrected and he visits his disciples and all of these things. But he talks about his ascension. And we see this in Acts chapter 1 where, and we see this depiction even foretold in Daniel 7, where there would be this man that was caught up in, the, in a cloud and he would be caught up and he would go through the heavens and he would be seated by God the Father himself on his throne. And so Jesus is a real man who lived a real life, who died a real death, who had a real physical resurrection, and he had a real physical ascension into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God the Father. And this means two things for you and for me. It means, one, that he's Lord, and two, it means that he's judge. Lord, meaning that the powers that try to trample him, the powers that try to suppress him, death, the demonic and satanic powers in his resurrection and in his ascension, he has been given the name that is above every name. And he has been given power and authority. He says it in Matthew 28 at the end. He's been given power and authority over heaven and earth. 
the rulers of men and the rulers of the spiritual principalities, he's been given the name that is above every name, and he is the Lord of lords. And he's worthy of our devotion. (laughs) He's worthy of the life that we can give him. He's worthy of our wholeheartedness. He is worthy of everything that we can give him because he is the name that is above every name. But the second point is that he is judge. Is that there is one man that God the Father has appointed to judge all of humanity. And whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, I'm going to give it to you straight. All of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us will stand before God. And he has appointed a sympathetic high priest to evaluate our life. And this is glorious news and it's terrifying news. (laughs) It's glorious news for those of us who have said yes to Jesus because our life is no longer evaluated by the sin that we lived in because we've been washed by the blood of of Jesus. And it's, it's glorious news because the life that we live in God we are rewarded for, that there, are, there is a such thing as eternal rewards, that we actually, the life, everything that we do has a purpose. Everything that we do has a, has a reason. And let me tell you something, that nothing will escape the gaze of the God-man. That when he looks at our life, everything that we do in the light and everything that we do in the dark will be evaluated. Everything will be evaluated. Everything that we do publicly and everything that we do privately will be seen by him. And this, uh, this ought to motivate us as believers to live our life unto God. To live our life fully given over to him and him only. But it's, all, it's, it's terrifying news because it means that the choices that we make actually matter. <laughs> This should should install the fear of God in us, not in a where we shy away from him, but saying, no, I tremble before being accountable before the one who sees everything. And he's impartial. (laughs) It's not like you can, you know, even though John calls himself the one that Jesus loved and he loves all of us. But it means that God will look at our life and he will be impartial when he judges us. So that's not like, you know, some, you, know, you know, some big preacher out there has, you know, the golden ticket in and says, oh, yeah, you know. But God will look at his life, the, the highest person and the lowest person. And he will look at everybody's life the same as, you know, did you live your life in accordance to the gospel that you received? But it's also kind of terrifying, too, for those of us who have not said yes to Jesus. Is that, I just want to declare it, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day in which you can say yes to Jesus, in which you can uh, uh, cross over from death to life to know know God personally and be saved from that uh, piercing gaze. Because the truth of the matter is that if we reject Jesus and his work on the cross, then when we stand before that judgment seat, when we stand before him, we have chosen our own fate to be separated from him for eternity. That's the truth of the gospel. 
It's not, you know, just this middle path, but it's you're in or you're out. (laughs) Straightforward like that. And I want to be a voice that declares the straightforward gospel. (laughs) So that's Jesus's ascension is that he's been made Lord, the name, given the name above every name and power and authority above all the power and authority. And he's been made judge. He's been the, he's, he's the man appointed to judge humanity and his judgment is correct. And so if the, if the resurrection gives us hope, the ascension ought to give us a motivation to live according to that hope. Because we, our life will be evaluated and really the point of all of this thing, all of this, the entire Bible is that we would love God with all of our heart and that we would love one another just as Jesus has loved us. That's the point of this whole thing. It's not, it doesn't, it's not very complicated. It's that the resurrection and new life in God actually gives us the ability to love God, and it actually gives us the ability to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. So that's his ascension. But how do we live according to the hope that we have in the resurrection? How do we live according to the good news of the gospel? And it's by the Holy Spirit. It's by God dwelling on the inside of us, and it's glorious. Check this out in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. It says this, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. And when he, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so that same day that Jesus is resurrected and that, you know, the news is starting to stir amongst the disciples and all of that, you know, and they they lock the door. They're in like, you know, somebody's apartment or something, lock the door. But Jesus, he doesn't even knock. He just kind of steps right on through, (laughs) kind of unannounced. And he says, he says, peace be with you all. And he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to go into all the pneumatology or the study of the Holy Spirit, but this is what I know, is that just like Jesus said in John 3, that to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Is that you cannot enter in the flesh, you cannot enter in sin, but you have to receive the good news of the gospel, believe with your heart, and when you do, just as Adam's lifeless body, you know, and just as our, you know, when we were dead in our sin, that God would breathe in us by the Holy Spirit, and we are what what Jesus says in John chapter 3, we are born again. You know, Nicodemus, he's like, how how does somebody get born again? And Jesus says, are you the teacher of all Israel and you don't know what I'm talking about? He's saying, you can't get physically born again, but you can get spiritually born again. 
And that means new life in God. That we were once, we were once outside of his family, but now we are born of God and have been brought into his family. And the glory of this is, is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. That the Holy Spirit is our teacher. You know, those moments in those times where, you know, you, you might be doing something that you might have done before. And, you know, you feel that little nudge kind of in here or in your heart or you may, you may be like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you to walk and to live according to the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you how to live like Jesus lived. And that's the glory of who the Holy Spirit is. And just for sake of clarity, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. It is God himself taking up residence and living on the inside of us that we may have life in him. And the Holy Spirit is that seal of redemption for us. And it's glorious. It's glorious. We have become a home for the Lord. And as I'm kind of wrapping up here, I kind of want to address something in the room that, I mean, probably many of us have had before, I, that I myself have had before, and it's called doubts. You know, <laughs> sometimes when we hear stuff like this, we doubt. Say, man, I don't, maybe out of skepticism or maybe out of just pure curiosity. And I want to give you some comfort today is that you're in good company because one of the apostles doubted, actually. <laughs> and his name is Thomas. His name is Thomas, and we see this in John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29, and this is what it says. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and, the place, and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples went inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So here Thomas is with this, uh, this incomprehensible news that the tomb is empty and that the disciples, they actually saw Jesus. And there is a moment where Thomas says, I will never believe unless I see his nail-pierced hands and his spear-pierced side. And Jesus, as he does, not knocking, but he just enters the room, he looks directly at Thomas and he says, Thomas, look at my hands, look at my side. And I want to say this to you all today is that there are some of us who have specific doubts and the truth of the matter is this, is that Jesus is not afraid of our doubts because he is the truth. When you're the truth, you can answer any question. <laughs> Jesus is not afraid of your doubts. 
and he can answer them in the specific way that you need them answered. Just as Thomas was very specific in his doubt, he's like, I will not believe until I see his hands in his side. Jesus says, Thomas, look at my hands and look at my side. But there was a moment where Thomas crossed over from disbelief to belief. And I believe that today is, a day, is the day of salvation for those of us who have not believed yet. That there is a point in which Thomas said, I'm crossing over and I'm not going back. Is that Jesus, you answered my question and I am going to give you my life. And history, the history books record Thomas as the apostle to India. Is that, that when he crossed over from disbelief to belief, God took and he used his life to bring the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ all across the globe. And I want to declare that today God wants to take and use your life to trumpet the good news of the gospel and the resurrection of his son. Is that God wants to use your life just as he used Thomas's life, who was a man filled with disbelief, who was a man filled with doubts, that there was a moment where Thomas said, I am not going back and I'm going all the way. And we, we still may have doubts along the way. My doubts came when I was in high school. And there was, I, I sought after God because I had world religions classes and I was so confused about these different things. And when I was a junior in high school, that's when I began to search God out. And I said, okay, I have to, even though my dad's a pastor, even though he's a preacher and all of these things, I have to search this thing for myself and I have to really know that Jesus is alive. And I remember that moment where I came and I was just researching and there was something that shifted in my heart and I said, Lord, even though I don't have all of the answers, even though I don't know everything, what I do know is that you love me and that you, you love me so much so that you sent your son to die on the cross for my redemption so that I may have new life in you. And there was that moment where I crossed over and even as I'm walking and following Jesus today, I still have doubts sometimes. But what I do know is that that there is solid evidence, that there is solid foundational things that, uh, that not only back up the resurrection, but as I'm closing here, and this is the point that John, that John wants us to get out of his whole entire gospel, is that I simply believed. It doesn't take all of the archaeological and the theological backflips but it's simply about hearing the good news of the gospel, hearing the good news that there is an empty tomb, and with simple faith, just believing. And this is what John says here in this last paragraph. It's the purpose of this whole book. He says this in verse 30. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, everything that has been recorded here in this book, but these, are, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the point of the whole gospel. It's not so that you can, you know, attend church X amount of times and hopefully get some. 
It's just believe. <laughs> just simply saying, Jesus, I believe that you resurrected from the dead. I believe that you are Lord of all. And that's it. And it's about living a life in accordance with that belief. It's about living a life that honors and pleases God. And simply by believing, we get life. <laughs> and we get life to the full. And we get life everlasting. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand. And this is the invitation of the gospel. Is that there are some of us today that haven't said yes to Jesus, but your heart is full of faith. And I want to tell you that today is the day of salvation. That the good news is that the tomb is empty. And the good news is that you can cross over from death to life right now. <laughs> right now. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, is that we have hope. Is that we don't have to go about our days defeated, but we can go about our days with our heart buoyant above the storm because of the good news of the empty tomb. So I'm going to invite you all for the, the first call today is for those who have not said yes, but would like to say yes. So I'm going to invite every head bowed and every eye closed. And this is a time where we just respond to Jesus. And this is where this whole thing began is simple belief. And so if you, if you would like to receive Jesus today, I'm just going to ask that you just lift your hand. If you would like to receive Jesus for the first time today or maybe rededicate your life to him, I just want you to lift your hand because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where new life comes into your heart. You're going to lead us in a prayer and then after that, I'll just bless us. And if you would like to receive Jesus, just simply repeat after me. And it's this. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you died, that you lived, you died, and you resurrected and ascended for my redemption. To wipe away all of my sin to wipe away all of my shame, to wipe away everything that might separate me from God. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. I believe in my heart that you resurrected from the dead, and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord of all, and I give you my life right now, right here, today. Keep me in your word. Keep me in the Holy Spirit. Now I'm just going to bless us in general. Father, we just say thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. And thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that tomb is empty. That he's been made Lord of all. And that we get the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. New life, Lord. And I'm asking even today, even right now, that you would meet our individual doubts, oh God. That you would touch us with full assurance that you vindicated and validated the life and the message of your son, Christ Jesus. So God, I'm asking, Lord, that as we, as we depart today, that you would bless us. 
and that we would hang on to the hope of the resurrection of your son, Christ Jesus. Asking for your blessing, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, everybody, have a blessed day.